Let us pray. Dear Holy One, I find myself in the awkward position yet once again. Standing up like I know what to say about you. And I don't. But God, you do know I'm trying to love you. And I ask that as a result of these few moments, as we reflect on this gospel text, I'm not going to ask that we understand you better, because I don't know that that's possible. But I do ask that we would love you better. And I ask that we'd love each other better. And I ask that we'd love ourselves better. And I know we need your help to do even that. So I ask that you would send your spirit to help us in these good things of loving you, loving each other, loving ourselves. And I ask this in all of your holy names. Amen. Amen. So this uh, text from our lectionary this morning uh, in the Gospel of Matthew that uh, Lori read to us is, uh, once again, one of those mysterious Advent texts. So we have John the Baptizer, one of the, according to Jesus, one of the finest human beings that's ever lived. I mean, boy, wouldn't you like that on your resume? Uh, no human being born of men and women is any better than you. Jesus of Nazareth. Whoa! I wouldn't mind that on my, you know, church profile. But, uh, and John, as we find him in this text, is upset and befuddled. He's in jail. He's in a prison. Probably Macarus prison was the name of it. That was under the rule of King Herod. Herod put him in jail, and he's been in this dungeon, in this pit, in this hole in the ground for who knows how long. John, who was from the desert, from the wild, a man of the, of the earth, of the wilderness, stuck in a hole in the ground. And he uh, sends friends to Jesus, saying, Jesus, are you really the liberator that's to come? Or should we be looking for somebody else? If you're the one, get me out of here. Exert your power. Liberate me. I'm in a hole in the ground. I'm the prophet of God. Jesus, are you the liberator we were expecting? Or is there somebody else? John is confused. He wants God to exert God's power, not just for himself, but to get rid of evil King Herod and all his minions and to kick those stinking Italians all the way back to Rome <laughs> so that we can be in charge of our own country and our own land yet once again and be the people of God that we were meant to be. God, what, you're asleep at the wheel. Jesus. What are you doing? And that's basically what he had his friends say to Jesus. And Jesus' reply is, is somewhat befuddling. Jesus says, go back to John and tell him what I'm doing for the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead, and the poor. 
Well, that's not what John wanted to hear. John wanted to hear, what are you doing for me? And Jesus is really fulfilling words that the prophet Isaiah had written maybe 800 years before this event about taking care of the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead, and the poor. And I, as I was working with this text this week, I was thinking, well, if, if John the Baptist, one of the best human beings ever born of men and women, was confused by what God was doing, do you think you and I might be? And so I've been wrestling with this God that's just confusing as all get out. And really what it boils down to as we look over the centuries is this use of power and God's lack of use of power. I mean, the theologians all tell us God is omnipotent, <laughs> which is a 50-cent word means God can do whatever God wants. Well, if God's all-powerful, why'd Trump get elected in 2016? <laughs> now, that's what you think. There's churches just around the corner that are saying, God, if you're all-powerful, why'd Biden get elected in 2020? And so those are conversations for a day. But, but God, if you're all-powerful, why are you letting us ruin this planet of its natural resources? God, if you're all-powerful, why are there still people treating people of different races so mean and oppressing them. God, if you're all-powerful, why are, are we still biased against people of different sexual orientations? God, if you're so powerful, why are you letting us... God, <laughs> you could do a much better job. Amen. And it's confusing. And we wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? And it has confused people since there were people. Yes. Because God is just different than we think. Uh, in the fourth century, there was a Christian saint and theologian. I know that's hard to imagine, a saint that was a theologian. But Augustine <laughs> said, and I'm paraphrasing now, but if you understand God, what you understand ain't God. Because God's beyond our ability to understand. And then 400 years later, there was a Muslim cleric, Rabi al-Basri, a woman, one of the first woman saints in Islam, who said, really, uh, I want to say it just the way she said it. Oh, since no one really knows anything about God, those who think they do are just troublemakers. <laughs> and God's ways are just not our ways. And, and we want God to exert this power to to kick the baddies up the side of the head and get them in line to fly right or you know, walk right and fly, fly straight the way we think it should happen. And God does not do that. And it's confusing to us and hurtful, particularly when you're among those that are oppressed. And I, I came to realize in my own life, and look, I don't have any greater answers than the brilliant theologians that have wrestled with this for thousands of years. I cannot stand before you, my siblings, my sisters, my brothers, and pretend that I know any more about God than you do. But I can share with you my own struggles and, and what I've come to. And as I've wrestled with this, what I realized 
is that for much of my life, I have not wanted a god. What I've wanted is a genie. <laughs> I, I, I've wanted a powerful being to get me out of the nonsense I've got myself into, either financially or relationally or behaviorally. And I've wanted to rub the Bible three times and say, in the name of Jesus, and, and have power get me out of my trouble, and then go back in the bottle and leave me alone, because I really don't need any help on how to run my life. I'm good at it. I know what I want and what I don't like. And, and, and a genie does what it's told. A god doesn't. See, it's, it's hard to tell God what to do. One of the great privileges in being God, I've discovered, is God gets to do whatever God wants, not what I want. And so I've realized for much of my life what I've wanted is a genie, not a God. And what I have is a God that is different and baffling. And one of the, one of the texts that, I, that has helped me clue into this it is not a biblical text. It's a text written by Eli Wiesel, who was a Jewish man that survived Auschwitz, the concentration camp. When he was a young boy in the concentration camp, some Jewish elders held a trial to convict God. And this is written of in Eli Wiesel's It's God on Trial or the Trial of God. And, and he writes a fictional story about what he witnessed in the concentration camp where the elders came together to put God on trial. And they said, God, you have broken covenant with us, your people. You've deserted us. Six million of us are being murdered in the Holocaust. Where are you? And they put God on trial. And they found God guilty of deserting them, of abandoning them, of breaking the covenant with them. And at the conclusion of the trial, of finding God guilty, they went out and celebrated Shabbat. They worshipped. Because what else are you going to do? And what that story, which is so gut-wrenching, when you read it, it's a play. And if you read through it or witness it, it will tear your soul out. Because we've all experienced that to some small degree. But what do we do with a God that doesn't exert power the way we want to liberate us? And yet, we're left to simply worship because that's the God we have. And they worship God. And that's you know what I, I, I've just come to experience in my life? And as I've thought about it, God, it, it seems to me that what God desires more than exerting power and getting us to behave is that in relationship with us, that together with God, we help create a holy and a just world. Because if God knocked us up the side of the head and made us walk straight and fly right, we probably would for a while, out of fear, 
or because we had to, but it wouldn't come with our hearts. We wouldn't do it out of love. We would surrender and we would be subjugated and we would be oppressed, but our hearts would be far behind. And it seems, for whatever reason, I'm just suggesting to us this morning that this God we worship from the Bible is more concerned about doing things with us together in love than making us fly right and walk straight. As crazy as this sounds, I thought about this driving here from the 9 o'clock. What if God has more faith in us than we do? What if God trusts that we, together, will work with God to make the world a better place? And that God has faith in us to do that. I read another Jewish rabbi this week, a, a, a woman named uh, Sharon Sobel, who says the task of bringing holiness into the world, which is the main obligation of every Jew, has always been seen in the Bible as a partnership, a combined projects of humans and God. And so what I'm suggesting to us, my sisters, my brothers, my siblings, is that it's together we're trying to follow Jesus on this path of radical love. That we're doing that in partnership with each other and in partnership with God, trying to create a more equal, a more just, a kinder world for all. Not just human beings, but for the animals and for the earth itself. That that's the good work we are involved in with a God who just confuses us to no end. One of the themes of the Bible that has always been such a mystery to me is what Paul talks about in his second letter to Corinthians where he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And the whole life of Jesus, whose birth we're going to celebrate two weeks from this morning, coming as a vulnerable infant child to change the trajectory of the whole human race, but to come in a stable born of refugees, of an oppressed people, in that vulnerability to change all of us seems crazy. But it's in weakness that power is dominated. So, I don't know what else to say, but to learn to yield in weakness because power oppresses and I've been trying to root out in my own heart and in my own life the power I try to exert over my family and my friends and over my country. If everybody would just listen to me, well, the world would be a hell of a lot better. Well, it might for me. I don't know if it would be for others. And so I'm trying to address the power and control issues in my own heart as I try to follow this God who confused John the baptizer and confuses many of us. And that I learned it's, it's through vulnerability, it's through opening myself up to the pain, the suffering of others, 
that I work in concert with this divine being to make the world a better place. That's what this text is saying to me this morning. That as we open our, as, as we drop our ideas of control and power, that we might actually become, as Jesus was, a blessing to the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead, and the poor. That's what we're called to do. Not in an oppressive way, but in a vulnerable way. That is the call of the gospel of Christmas, as I hear it, two weeks out. Now, to do this kind of good work, this learning to become weak so that the power, the real power of God could be made visible, there's another key theme in the Bible. It's this word faith or trust. The Greek word is pistis from the New Testament. And it means trust as much as faith. And in my own searching and wrestling and struggling, Here's the definition I have come to. And I think it would be a good project for you to come to your own definition of what faith means for you. But for me, I'll offer as a suggestion. For me, faith means believing that God is good when all the evidence suggests otherwise. For me, faith is trusting that God is good and that God is right here with me right now when all the evidence says that's crazy. I can honestly tell you that's what's gotten me through the 50 years or so I've wrestled with this divine other that is just confounding. And I suggest you might try it for yourself to help you get through whatever it is you need to get through.